We're going to go to the Psalm 119. Psalm 119 and verse 176. The very last verse of the very longest psalm uh, and chapter in all of the Bible. Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is just about the center of your Bible. and 19 verse 176 we're going to focus on verse 176 but I want us to read the entire stanza beginning at 169 this psalm of course is a song it has a stanza for every letter of the Hebrew alphabet and Uh, We can't read it in English, but if you read it in Hebrew, every verse of that stanza would begin with that letter. And this psalm communicates the extreme perfection of the Word of God. And the psalmist writes, Let my cry come before you, O Lord, and give me understanding according to your word. Let my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your word. Let my lips utter praise. For you teach me your statutes. Let my tongue sing of your word. Let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live that I may praise you, and let your ordinances help me. I have gone astray like a sheep, like a lost sheep. Seek your servant. For I do not forget your commandments. Father, we thank you for your word this morning, which is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. We thank you especially for the presence of the Holy Spirit among us. And I ask this morning that as we come to your word, you would encourage our hearts by the reading and the preaching of your word. I pray that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. I pray that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, that in hearing the word, they might receive it as seed sown into the fertile soil of their hearts. I ask this in Jesus' name, that the church say amen. 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 You may be seated. I want to take a very unique subject this morning, not necessarily something that we talk about all the time, but something which the Lord has laid on my heart to address to your heart this morning. I want to use as a subject uh, the anatomy of a backslider. The anatomy of a backslider. If you study backsliding, if you study the slow and subtle ways in which a man or woman can drift away from God, there are certain patterns that become evident or become clear which you and I should be aware of and be on guard against. And I want to share with you and and communicate to you a great burden that is uh, for every believer to recognize the dangers of drifting away, the dangers of going astray from God. The Christian life, the, the Christian religion as some call it, really is not a religion. You have probably heard it said in that cliche that 
Christianity is not a religion, but it is a relationship with God. That is essentially true in all of its parts. That God desires not that you and I approach Him in some ritualistic way that we come near to Him as a, as a matter of religion or as a matter of tradition, but He wants us to know Him and to walk with Him, to talk with Him, to learn to hear His voice, to learn to discern His, His voice in our hearts and the leading of His Spirit. And this is the ultimate goal that God has for every one of our lives here on the earth. It's to know Him. Christianity, friend, isn't really just about getting you to heaven when you die. And that certainly is a great part of it and good news for all of us because the Bible says that we are all appointed to die. And after death, the judgment. So there is a certainty of the fact that we're going to face death someday. Unless Christ comes before then, we're going to face that, that valley of the shadow of death. And, and the Christian faith teaches us that we can have hope and life beyond death. But there is more to the Christian faith than that. Jesus said that he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly, more fully. That means that he wants us to enjoy full life with him today. And I believe that means a life full of peace, a life full of joy, a life full of satisfaction in him, a life full of contentment, a life full of comfort, a life that is full of all of the blessings of God, a life in which we can enjoy the relationships that God brings into our lives and where we can have stability. That is God's a blessing on the believer. And I know some of you are walking with the Lord. You can say amen this morning. Because you know the truth of walking with God. I'll tell you this. There is nothing like relationship with God. First of all, there is nothing like waking up in the morning and knowing that no matter what happens that day, that you and God are squared away, that your soul is right with God, that there is nothing between you and the Savior, and to have the peace of knowing that this day may not go as I planned it, but God is in control, God is in charge, and God is going to do what is best, and He's going to bring glory to His name. And there's nothing like going to bed at night and knowing that if, I, if my heart stops beating and I take my last breath, that no matter uh, at which moment of the night that may occur, that I will open my eyes in an eternal heaven and be in the presence of God. There is nothing like knowing that you have a relationship with the Creator, a relationship with the Almighty, to be able to speak to Him in prayer and have the assurance that He hears you, the assurance that He answers even the most minute of things. I shared this morning with the Spanish congregation about the fact that when I was a missionary, I was in Africa, and in Africa the meals are very different, as you might imagine now, they're not just different like they are from here to Mexico. They are very different. There are no tortillas in Africa. There is no, there are no, uh, uh, there ho there's not a whole lot of anything that we uh, would enjoy here. And one of my favorite snacks is tomatoes. I like to eat tomatoes like apples. And so uh, when I was in Africa and, and just kind of coping with the fact that things are different, food is different, I thought one day, I said, wow, I'd like to have some tomatoes. 
Now, I didn't pray for tomatoes. I didn't ask God for tomatoes. I just thought about it. I said, you know, it'd be nice to have some tomatoes. And wouldn't you know, when I got back to the campus that night, and uh, there was a family waiting there that I had visited with the week before, and they brought me a bag of tomatoes. And that night, I just about went, uh, uh, you know, happy and sad at the same time. My eyes were filled with tears as I thought, God, I didn't even ask for tomatoes. You just, you just gave me my snack right here in the middle of, of Swaziland in this country nobody knows about in South Africa just to let me know that you know, that I know, that you know, that you are God and that you are listening, that you are attentive. Has that ever happened to you when God just surprises you with grace? And it makes you think about how much he loves you and cares for you. And just he reminds you that he's your God. And that he's extremely good. That he is exceedingly kind. That he is our father. Our loving father. Our dad, really. Jesus said we have received, or the, the Apostle Paul said, we have received the spirit of adoption by which we call out, Abba, Father, literally, Daddy. To be able to have a relationship with God like that, that's better than knowing Barack Obama, I'll tell you that. It's better than knowing the governor of the state of Texas is better than eating sumptuously and drinking tea with the Queen of England. To know God and to be in fellowship with Him, there's nothing like it in the world. It is truly abundant life. And that is God's will for every one of us. But there is a great danger in this because... Oftentimes, circumstances and troubles come into our lives and we might tend to drift away from God. And that's what I want to talk about today. What is the anatomy? What are the steps of a backslider? Now, some of you, this message is important because you're about to take the first step on backsliding. And God has sent me this morning on this a cool and rainy Sunday morning to stand as a, as a guard at the, at the crossroads of life. To warn you and say, don't take that road. Don't take that path. Don't let your heart grow cold. Don't let your faith toward God grow cold. And others of you, this message is important because you're already on that road and you have begun a, the long descent toward the valley and you have slowly and meticulously perhaps unthinkingly drifted away from God and others of you this is important this morning because while you attend church on the regular and you are a you are a committed church attender in your heart you're far from God can I speak with you this morning the psalmist gives us in the very last verse of Psalm 119, the anatomy of a backslider. He says, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. This is the first step in backsliding. The going astray of a sheep, 
of a lost sheep, the psalmist says, is the simple sign, the simple metaphor that explains the fact that a saint has gone astray. A key word there is that it's a lost sheep. Now, the Bible makes a great distinction between the sheep and the goats. The sheep are those that are representing true believers, people who have a genuine relationship with God. Goats are people that are in the flock, but they're not really transformed in their hearts. Now, I know today that I wish today all of us were sheep, but I have to believe that some of you haven't really had a conversion experience. You haven't really had a transformation of your heart. And the Bible tells us that Jesus told a religious leader, not a, not a man who was uh, a drunkard or given to uh, the lifestyle of the world, but a, a religious leader in Jerusalem. His name was Nicodemus. He said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you must be born again. He said that to a man that was in the temple system. He said that to a man that was in the religious order, but yet his heart did not know God. And so Nicodemus would very well be said to be a goat because he was in the, the, in the system, in the faith. He was hanging near it, but he had not been changed. He had not been transformed. And so, friend, I want to encourage you today, if you don't know the transformative power of Christ, call out to him. He wants to give you a new birth. He wants to transform your heart and your life. Are there any born-again believers in the house of God this morning? So he says, I have gone astray. This is a saint, a believer, someone who has faith in God, but they have begun to drift away. They have gone like a sheep away. How do we know they were a saint? Psalm Psalm 119, verse 97, it says, I love your law. Verse 145, I love to pray. Verse 164, I love to praise the word. Verse 100 and verse 110, it talks about his love for obedience. This was a man who knew God. He had walked with God. He loved to pray. He loved the word. He loved to obey God. But then he began to go astray. And if you read verse 176, it's a confession. He says, I went astray like a lost sheep. And we, we get the implication that, that this was something that maybe caught him off guard. That in, in his life, he never anticipated to go away. He never anticipated to be lost. I don't believe any single person ever wakes up one morning and decides, I'm going to backslide today. I'm going to grow cold in my faith. I have a preacher friend of mine. He said that uh, he decided one day in his young ministry, his young Christian walk, he said, today I'm going to backslide. That's the only guy I know of that intended to backslide. He went into a bar and a drunk came up to him and said, you don't belong in here. And that was the end of his backsliding. God found him right where he needed to be. But nobody wakes up and just says, hey, I'm going to backslide. You know, it happens gradually. Little by little, the sheep gets lost. The the flock of sheep are moving toward pasture. And then all of a sudden, something glimmers off in the sunlight. And that little lamb says, hmm, I wonder what that's about. But maybe he sticks with with the flock. And the next day, they're going out to pasture And he sees it again. 
And then it starts to form as a thought in his mind. I want to go out there and see what is it I'm missing. I think the shepherd doesn't know that there's some fun out there. And slowly it just begins to create in his mind a a, a desire to to go and see what he's missing out on. The, the, The apostle James said that sin, when it is conceived, it brings forth death. Every murder began with a single thought. Every act of adultery began with a single thought. A wondering eye, a wondering about what's going on over there, a word of flattery. Every act of sin and aggression against God began with a simple little thought. And yet sin, when it is conceived, when it is born as a thought in your mind, if it's not quickly Pulled out like a weed, it begins to grow and it begins to take over. He says like a sheep, he went astray. That little lamb started to wander off to seek out what was going on. And before long it discovered himself to be completely lost, completely away from God. I'm speaking today maybe to one or two of you who could say, Pastor, I am that lamb. I have gone astray. I have gone wandering off from God. It's just like when you, you take a little boat and you put it by the dock, but you don't tie it down. If you don't tie that boat down, it'll just begin to drift. And many, some of you this morning, you're like that boat that's just drifting along. And, and one moment you're right there near the dock, but just, just far enough away to have some fun. Over time, the currents of this life, the currents of passing pleasure, the current of sin, the current of time begins to drive that little boat away. And before you know it, you wake up and you are miles and miles away from the shore. That is the very strategy of the devil against the believer. He says, you know what? You don't really need to pray today. You prayed yesterday. In fact, you prayed all week. You prayed six days this week, so just take a day off. He says, you don't need to go to church today. It's raining. You've made it to church. You got over the devil this morning. Come on, give yourselves a hand. Back, hell is confused this morning. It's like, what happened? We lost control of Kingsway Church. They're supposed to stay in bed and take, a, take the day off. But there you are in church hearing the word of God. But the enemy will come along and say, you know, last Sunday it was raining and you went to church. So this Sunday, just take the day off. He'll say to you, it's just once. You don't need to read the word today. You read it yesterday. Just just remember what you read. He works in the subtle ways of just kind of convincing us that good enough is good enough. That close enough is close enough that, that we are okay. We're with, with what we are. We're with what we have. But you and I know that there is a desire on the inside of every believer to increase. There is a desire on the inside of our heart to have more than just good enough. To have more than just okay. I want to be an on fire, a passionate, sold out relationship with God. The kind that consumes my whole life. And yet the enemy comes along and 
he says, no, you don't have to do so much. You know, why, why give it so much? Just take it easy. It's a long life you've got to live. Don't, don't pour it all out on one, on one Sunday with God. Don't give it all to God. And yet, slowly, that, that drifting begins to occur. Maybe it doesn't happen so, uh, so in such a pronounced way, but it happens just because the challenges of life come. Circumstances rise up and, and, and you don't see it. You don't see the enemy at work. You don't see him offering a job that, that is going to take you from the house of God. You don't see him offering you a job that's going to take you from your relationship with God. You don't see that he's setting you up. Maybe you don't see that he's brought a young lady into your life that, that uh, is beautiful and, and striking. But yet when you really look it down, look down, there, there is a, a tendency in her heart to pull you away from God but you don't see it because because of the the love and the passion of the moment you don't see it because you think oh this new job that's going to be the answer for me you don't see it because you think that college that's the one I've always wanted to go to and slowly the enemy puts things in your way that get you further and further away from God further and further away from his voice to where it becomes harder to hear him saying no go to the right go to the left Friend, there is a very great cost in being a straying sheep. Because the enemy's desire is to isolate you. To get you alone so that he can destroy your soul. Maybe you have tasted a little of backsliding. Maybe you have tasted a lot. The enemy is clever and crafty in his work. One one week of devotion to God gives way to one every other week and then once every month and then once on the holidays. And then once at a funeral. Before you know it, though you might even be in the house, you're lost and distant from God, disconnected from vital relationship with him. He says, like a lost sheep, I went astray. I thought I knew what I was doing. I thought I had it under control. That is the great problem for the backslider. He thinks, I have this under control. I can control this. It's just one drink. It's just one night out. It's just one one opportunity with my with my friends. It's just one little lapse. I have it under control. But friend, sin will always cost us more than we can afford to pay, and it will take us further than we plan to go. When I was in Egypt, they uh, in the uh, near the pyramids, there is a scheme that goes on where they'll sell you or they'll give you a free camel ride. They'll take you on a free camel ride. And if you bite, they'll get you on that camel and they'll take you out a good while into the desert. And then the ride's no longer free. They say, you want to go back? You got to pay. And green dollars look best when you're out in the desert. That's sin's trick. I'll give you a free camel ride. 
I'll give you a, tr- a, free, a free pleasure trip. I'll take you to where you've always dreamed of going. And yet when you're long and away, he'll say, now you've got to pay to get back. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. But you know, there's, there's some good news in this passage because within the same sentence, the psalmist says, seek your servant. It's a little prayer, but it's a powerful prayer. It's a prayer that says, God, I am so far gone. I have strayed away. My heart has grown cold toward you. I can't even seem to work up the passion to pray or the the passion to call out to you. But I'm saying, you seek me, oh God. Seek me. Seek your servant. Don't leave me in this condition I did this to myself, but don't leave me in this condition. I have arrived here of my own doing. Let me tell you, friend, our lives are the direct result of our choices. My life is the direct result of my choices. Your life is a direct result of your choices. The decisions you make will make your life. And many times we look in the mirror and we're upset at what we see or we look at the people around us, we're upset at what we see and we look at the conditions around us, we're upset at what we see but really the reality is that we are what we are because we have chosen, we've made certain decisions. We've eaten or not eaten things we should have eaten or not eaten. We have cultivated or not cultivated relationships. If you look at your marriage and it's falling apart, that's a direct result of choices that have been made. Don't look at your spouse. This is not an altar call. I just want you to know that these are choices we make. You made a choice to be in God's house this morning. When the, when the devil tempted Jesus, you know what he came back with? He came back with the word of God. You know, that was a choice. He made a choice to memorize the scripture. He made a choice to know the law of God. And he made a choice to answer the devil with the very word of God. He could have done like so many times we try to do and and just say, look, devil, you can play around here, but this is the line. Don't cross it. And before you know it, he would have crossed that line. But he he stood and drew a a, a dark line of demarcation and said, this is what God's word says. And he made a choice. Our lives are the result of our choices. I want to encourage you to make a choice today. If you are far from God, I want want to encourage you to call out to him, to call out to him with all of your heart, to say, God, seek your servant. Don't leave me in this condition. I need you. I have to have you in my life. I know I've grown cold. I know I've gone far from you. But the Bible said that in the last days, because of the increase of many, the love of many would grow cold. Maybe you'd say, God, my love for you has grown cold. My love for you has grown, has grown stale. I need a refreshing, a reviving of my soul. I'm glad about this today because when you tell God that, he doesn't reject you. If you tell your girlfriend that, you say, look, my love for you has grown cold. You might not have a girlfriend at the end of the day. And if you, have, you tell your wife that, you're going to not have any oatmeal in the morning. But you tell God that, you open the door for his work in your heart. You say, Lord, 
I've gone astray. I have, I have followed the lure of sin. I've followed the glimmer and the shine of sin and pleasure. And maybe you say, God, I don't even know how it happened. Because you can backslide while listening to KCTA. You can backslide while listening to Christian television. Because backsliding begins in the growing cold of our heart. In the staleness of our relationship with God. And yet he is ever present to help the backslider. The psalm says, the Lord is my shepherd. You see, you're a lost sheep, but he is a good shepherd. You might say I strayed away like a sheep, but you're not a sheep without a shepherd. We, we read about a shepherd in the Bible. Jesus said this shepherd was a hireling. And when the wolves came to devour his flock, he ran off and said, they don't pay me enough for that. But there was one shepherd who said, you're not going to devour my flock. And he stood between hell and us. And he made a a a ransom for our souls and a good shepherd laid down his own life for his sheep friend if Jesus laid down his life for you don't you think he'll go the extra mile to pull you back from drifting to pull you back from cold hard religion and bring you back into favorable relationship with God somebody ought to give God thanks that we have a good shepherd hallelujah we have a savior who is so kindly disposed, so favorable to us, that he'll show a missionary in Africa that he loves him by giving him tomatoes. He'll show you his kindness by sending a preacher to stand before you and tell you don't get cold. Don't grow stale in your faith. I want a vital relationship with you. Our shepherd will go down the deepest valley into the, into the darkest, most dangerous place to rescue even a single sheep. What kind of shepherd is he? The Bible says Jesus speaking about the shepherd uh, actually he was speaking to the Pharisees he said who among you would have a hundred sheep and if you lost one would not leave the ninety nine and go look for the one he said you might say to yourself well I've got ninety nine it's better than nothing and, and just let that little rebellious sheep go on astray but no Our shepherd loves us too much to do that. He comes and he brings the flock into the fold. And he closes the door so they can't get out. And then he goes out into the dark of the night. And he begins to listen for the bleeding of that sheep. Bah, bah, and maybe it's a faint away sound. It begins to go through every dark place, down the, 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 the rocks and into the cliffs. And maybe he finds that little sheep hanging over a cliff very much for its own life. And he reaches down and scoops it up and he saves it and he redeems it and he brings it home. And, and, and scholars tell us that in that case, for many days, that shepherd would carry that lamb upon his shoulders until he had been cured of his backsliding. Oh, friends, some of you need the shepherd today, and he is ready to scoop you up, to put you on his shoulders, uh, and to cure you of your backsliding, to, cl- to cure you of your distance from him. You know what's, what's beautiful about it? It's when that little lamb is sitting on his shoulders, healing of its wounds. It's hearing the shepherd's voice. Right near his ears, the voice of his shepherd. When that little lamb has been 
cured of his backsliding and his wounds have been healed and he's set back down again. He'll never leave the side of a shepherd. He's learned to love his voice. He's learned to love the affection of his voice with which he takes him out to green pasture. Is there anybody here today that could say, redeem, save, seek your servant? That prayer implies that the psalmist understood that God would, in fact, listen to him. Verse 58, he talks about the graciousness of the shepherd. Verse 25, the reviving of the shepherd. In verse 18, he speaks about how the shepherd would open the eyes of of the sheep. In in verse 112, he says, incline my ear, my heart to you, bend my heart to you. Some of you need God to bend your ear, to hear his voice, to hear his heart. Verse 12, teach me. Is there anyone in here today who would say, God, I need you to teach me. I need you to show me the way, to give me the instruction that I need. Verse 28, strengthen me. I know that this is the prayer of every backslider. If you have gone cold in your relationship with God, today you need to call out to him and say, strengthen me. Make me strong again. Because, friend, distance from the shepherd will make you weak. Distance from the voice of the shepherd will make you weak. Distance from the word of God will make you weak. But he he cries out, strengthen me, make me strong again. And in verse 67 and 71, he uses a very strange term. He says, afflict me. Oh, no, no, pastor, don't talk about discipline. I don't want to be disciplined. I don't want to be corrected. But you see, when we have gone backsliding, the shepherd has to afflict us, correct us, chasten us. Why? The Bible says that God chastens those that he loves. His love for you and me won't let him just let us continue in our rebellion, but he draws us to him and he chastens us. Seek me, for I've gone astray. Isaiah said it like this, Isaiah 53. All we like sheep. He didn't say some of us. He said all we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us going after his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall upon himself. God has made provision for the restoration of the soul. The psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He will make me lie down in green pastures. He will lead me beside the quiet waters. He will restore my soul. What a promise. What a promise this morning. That God says, I will restore your soul. If today you can say, I can only remember those days when I had white hot love for God. When I had a passion for God. When I loved his word. You say, preacher, I've grown cold in my relationship with God. He says, I want to restore your soul. I want to mend those wounds and mend the broken heart and make a complete mending of your life. All we like sheep had gone astray, but the Lord caused the iniquity of us all to fall upon him. How did he do that? How did he cause our iniquity, our transgression, and our guilt to fall upon him? He did it at the cross, friend. 2,000 years ago, 
the Lord caused the iniquity of us all. He took the, the, the penalty of my sin. He took this poor preacher's rebellion and my sin. And he put it upon his son Jesus. And on the cross, God made the way for the backslider. And he made a way for the sinner to come home. Our Father has opened wide the door to grace this morning. And today he says it's time to come home. It's time to come home. It's time to make your way toward the house of the Father. It's time to say, I need you. The Bible tells us about a young man. We know him as the prodigal son. He told his dad, give me my share of the inheritance. I think he was being rather rude because that basically he told his father, I don't want to wait for you to die. I want you to give me what's mine. And he took what was his. And he wasted it. I don't know how long it took him to waste it. It doesn't appear that it took very long. He was gone and he spent all of his money. And when he had spent his last coin, he lost his last friend. He looked around him and all of the men who had come around to carouse with him were gone. All of his buddies who had drawn him in drifting had now forsaken him. The Bible said that a great famine came upon the land. And I want to tell you that famine came from God. It came from God for that boy. And that famine drove him to desperation. It drove him to deep need. He found himself working for a pig farmer, which is an abomination to any Jewish boy. And now scripture says that he finds himself in that slop pit. He wanted even to eat the meal that was being fed to the, to the pigs. And he's, the Bible said that he came to his senses. He woke up. The blindfold was removed from his eyes. He came to his senses and he said, even the servants eat better in my father's house. Even the servants eat better than this. And he began to make up his mind, I'm going to go home. I'm going to get back to where I used to be. I'm going to return to dad. He got up and he started his way home. Just like some of you are going to do this after this morning. It's time to come to your senses. It's time to detect the temperature of your own heart. It's time to come home. Now there might be a thought in your mind like there was in the thought of this boy. You might say, what if he says no? What if he shuts the door? What if he won't receive me? What if he ignores me? What if he turns me away? What if he puts me out? Jesus told us exactly what will happen. He said that when the father saw that boy coming, he ran to him. He ran to him and he embraced him. He received him back home. Why, friend? Because he loved him. He was, he was lost. He was prodigal. He, was, he had wasted his inheritance, but he was his son. 
You see, all the while he had lost fellowship with his father, but he had not lost relationship with his father. He was his son. And today I'm speaking to sons and daughters. And your father is saying to you, come home. And I don't mean you haven't been to church or you haven't been in the house of God or you haven't been, you haven't been doing Christian things and living a good life, but you haven't been near him in your heart. And today in kindness, he stretches out his arms and he says, I'm ready to receive you. I'm ready to embrace you, to take you in. To remind you that you were mine. You always were mine. And that my love for you is more than what you've lost. It's more than what has been sacrificed in the pursuit of passing pleasures. It's more than what circumstances could have taken from you. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Run to him. Let him embrace you and take you in as his own. And if you're on that road and you're just about to take that first step, you can feel it in your heart. If you're sincere in your faith, you can know and say, I'm growing cold in my faith. I'm not worshiping like I used to. I'm not praying like I used to. I'm not doing things for God the way I used to. I'm doing it out of need, out of compulsion. And something has shifted, even if by a degree in your heart, and it's, it's leading toward this kind of backsliding. The scripture tells us of a whole church that was backslidden this way in the book of Revelation. And the Lord said to that church, you've lost your first love. I believe there might be one or two of you this morning who have lost your first love. But God love, God's love for you is calling out. He's saying, it's your time. It's time to give me your all. It's time to give me everything. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right where you are. And let the Spirit of God Speak to your heart. You know who you are. You know where you are. And right where you're sitting, you can say, Lord, seek me. Come and get me. Come and find me. I don't want to grow cold. I don't want to be wandering like a lost sheep. I want to walk near you. I want to be sensitive to your voice. Father, I pray this morning that everyone within the sound of my voice who has felt in their heart a tendency toward growing cold, I pray that this morning the love and affection of their Heavenly Father would reach down and grab them and restore them and renew them and not let them drift a moment more. I pray that a spirit of repentance would come into this house. That if there is anyone in this room who would say, I want to be completely 
committed to Christ and right now I feel the tug in my life to get distracted I pray that you would bring nearness of your presence to their heart for it is the nearness of God that is our good and I pray in Jesus name that no one would be able to ignore the voice of the shepherd today calling out saying come 